0: And welcome to the Beers Bros and Bows podcast. I'm your host Jesse, and today we got some sponsors to plug out. Our first sponsor is J and J Cabinet Plus. You know, if you need new kitchen decor, right? You need the new granite countertops. You need some new cabinets. You know, you're just feeling like your kitchen might be a little outdated, and you want something more updated. Well, these are your guys. They're a local business here in McDonough, and they really enjoy helping people get a new kitchen together, get that new granite countertop that your wife has been begging you for, you know, or maybe just you. Maybe you just need, you know, a new kitchen, and you're you're ready for something a little bit more updated. Go ahead and check them out on Facebook at J and J Cabinet Plus. That's J, letter J and letter J Cabinet Plus. Uh, that plus. Right there, that means that they'll do a little bit of that extra work. Maybe some flooring. Maybe you got some laminate you want to put down. Maybe some new tile. Maybe you need to fix up the bathroom a little bit with that countertop. They don't just do the kitchen stuff. They'll work in any part of that house, and they'll they'll definitely hook you up. Uh, so, again, you can visit them at J&J Cabinet Plus on Facebook. Shoot Josh and Jake a, uh, you know, a private message, and they'll be more than welcome to answer any questions or concerns that you might have. Our next sponsor is Josie Sweet Something. They're another local Georgia business here. Uh, If you need cupcakes, wedding cakes, bridal cakes, baby shower cakes, whatever the cakes may be, this is your girl. She will definitely hook you up with an awesome customized cake. She does amazing work. She personally did my own wedding cake and a couple other wedding cakes of some uh, local friends here. And they were amazing. They taste great. I mean, they are just... They're top-notch uh, pastries that she produces out of that company. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at Josie Sweet Something. Shoot her a DM. Again, she's another person that would be more than welcome to answer your questions and try to get you the, the, the right cake for the right price um, and to make that, that special day even more special because food is, you know, that is the, the love language of the heart and the stomach. So, again, you can visit her at Josie Sweet Something, give her a shout, give her a look. Her Instagram page is full of awesome cakes. And uh, go ahead and check it out. And now, we are going to go ahead and get into the episode. Cool, and we're live. I want to introduce everybody back to the ears Bros, and Ghost podcast. I have a special guest here, Blake Bell from Mixed Barrel Boat Fishing. And uh, how are you doing, man? I'm
1: doing good. Just living the dream. Hunting, fishing, you know, just living it up, I guess.
0: So, um, before we get started, do you want to go ahead and give listeners a little bit of a brief background about who you are, uh, where you're from, and your experience in the, in the hunting community? That's
1: um. Well, I've lived in Hampton my whole life. Um, started hunting when I was probably about six. Started hunting with my dad. Um, and he's been hunting his whole life and uh, just started going uh, to... The Clayton County Water Authority with him. Um, that's where he works. We'd hunt in Meriwether a little bit, but um, shot my first deer when I was seven in Meriwether. I actually shot it with a twenty-two to fifty, a little, a little three-pointer. Oh yeah. Um, so that's how I got started. Was with him. I think I started hunting by myself out there at the Water Authority when I was twelve with a bow. And that's I, I had to wait till I was about twelve to hunt with him out there because that's all you can use. As a bow, so shot it with a little Browning bow that he had bought me for Christmas, and then moved up to an AR bow, and then I bought his Bear Primo True Two from him, and now I shoot a Hoyt. But um, yeah, I just started with him, just sitting in the stand with him, just watching him hunt, and uh, that's that's really how I got started. Was really because of him. So
0: yeah. And uh, so, what do you do outside of uh, outside of hunting?
1: Uh really just work um i work for advanced roofing um but that's that's it um i hunt and then you know when deer season's not in i'm out on the lake bow fishing so <laughs> i mean i try to just stay outdoors as much as i can
0: and uh how do you uh get started in the whole boat fishing scene i mean that's a i wouldn't say it's generally like a new thing but it's not something that you generally see a whole bunch of people doing consistently
1: right um well, i got started with my dad um he's his da- my granddaddy started back in the 80s wow. nobody i mean nobody really knew about it back then um he got into it because of him and then he bought a little 14 foot john boat rigged it out put lights all over it um i think they actually started with a push pole they did didn't even have a outboard motor so they just started like that and then he just slowly would upgrade um his boat and then his equipment And I would just ride around with him, just sit in the back, and he'd shoot the fish. And I'd just sit there and poke the fish with a stick, (laughs) just chilling. And uh, once I got a little bit older, he'd let me fish with him. And uh, then I bought my own boat um, five years ago and got into it like that. And it's just been been a blast. It's been a learning experience for sure. Because I took a lot of riding with him for granted Mm -hmm. um, just because he knew where to go. Right. So I'd never really paid attention. And then when I got my own boat, it was almost like I'd never done it. Right. Trying to find the fish. and it, There's a lot more to it than than you think. Um, but it's definitely, it's grown a lot more since when we first started. I mean, before we'd go to a gas station and people were asking if we're going crappy fishing. And um, then we tell them, no, we're going bow fishing. And they just, they'd never heard of it. And now they're doing tournaments everywhere. Um, I know in Georgia... I actually learned that up north, it's really, really big. Wisconsin, Minnesota, it's huge up there, yeah. For what
0: uh, what specific uh, species
1: of fish? Carp and gar, from what I know, um, I know like out in Kentucky and Alabama and Tennessee, they got buffalo, which is another, what I know is another form of carp. They're just a little bit bigger, yeah. And we went to Tennessee last year for the first time with a Chickamauga and shot some buffalo. And um,
0: they have like a really
1: hairy fish. Right? <laughs> no, no, it's it's they're kind of it's they're weird looking. They're kind of pale. Um, yeah, because carp's kind of got like a brownish tint, brownish orange tint to them. Right. Buffalo just they're kind of white, especially in the water. Yeah. That's how I was able to tell the difference. And I'd never shot one before, but when you hit them, they they act completely different. They I mean they are strong. Yeah. So, but yeah, I got into it because of him, and then just kind of took off from there. Just uh bought my own boat and i was kind of forced my hand on it because i would get kind of upset because i wouldn't get to go with him as much because he has a bunch of buddies that want to go and he told me he's like if you want to go get your own boat so i did i had a boat built and then it actually sat for a couple years put a motor on it and then he sold his boat because he was going to build another one and he told me because it was right before the season started he said look i'm not gonna not fish when there's a boat out there that's halfway set up so he kind of forced my hand on that and so i got it set up and we've been fishing i've been fishing by myself without him for two years so
0: so uh what generally uh like goes into the whole like setup for the boat exactly i mean i know i know there's like lights and stuff like that i've seen that before but uh just you know if you're gonna for somebody who wants to try to build their own boat or something what's the what's the specs that you gotta, get, you
1: gotta get going? uh just from experience i mean all you really need is just a flat bottom boat if you're gonna fish around here west point places like that you're gonna need a flat bottom boat because mm-hmm. they get up in the shallows so you want to be able to go after them um you do need lights i mean you can go to home depot buy the construction lights set it up like that you'll need a generator um, or some type of power source I know a lot of guys are switching to led lights um personally led lights around here just depends on the color they don't penetrate the water as well right but the lights don't spook the fish no it's just kind of it's kind of weird yeah no it doesn't it doesn't really affect them um like that Um, But they are, I mean, they're pretty skittish. You kind of have to be on your toes because you'll be sitting there looking at them. They're gone by as quick as you see them. I've seen guys or heard of guys that, I mean, they just go out there on the bank and they'll just shoot them. I mean, yeah, I follow a guy on Instagram that – that's all he posts is just pictures of shooting carp, standing on the bank. What are you looking for
0: when they're when they're, you know, they're, and, when they're fitting? Because I know that's generally what we look for in, in fishing or fly fishing is, is looking for that fit, them fitting in the shallows, like digging up in the
1: dirt. Yeah, they'll do that. Um, it's really, it depends on what, if you're fishing day or night. Um, I mean, obviously night, you know, the lights mm-hmm. will, will light them up. But during the day, it's really just shadows. Um, you kind of have to train your eye for it, and you have to be able to tell the difference between bass catfish carp um you know you got gar they'll kind of hang out up top kind of sunbathe but carp yeah they'll get up in the grass um i kind of let them show themselves to me because you know you'll see the grass moving um but it's really just shadows um that you're kind of looking for to me i always tell people that i've never been look for something in the water that's abnormal something that doesn't look like it's supposed to be there and then determine it from there and it's really just because they they kind of swim. Each fish swims different, so you just kind of have to learn how they they swim to to be able. To me, they always look like
0: sharks the way they come. yeah very slow moving, lethargic. Yep. But then the the bolt. In a... Oh
1: yeah, yeah, and and grass carp. That's that's almost a whole nother level. I Maybe mean, that's
0: what's up there in North carolina's grass carp because yeah. they're all up in the weeds and stuff. And I've I've snuck up on them on a kayak but I think my shadow on the kayak disturbed them, but they almost don't know if their faces are in the, in the mud. Mm-hmm. They almost won't know you're sneaking up on them because uh, that's the only way that I noticed that they were uh, carved was just all the all the uh, cloud in the water just getting kicked up mm-hmm. the dirt and mud.
1: Yep. Yeah, they'll do that. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, when they take off, you'll see, you know, their smoke trail, mm-hmm. but sometimes they will kick up that dirt, um, especially during the day and you're just kind of waiting until you see a tail or a head just right. kind of in there doing their thing, and then that's when you lay it on them.
0: Have you, have you seen them moving in schools? Yes. Because that's that's the one thing that I saw all the time was uh, just moving in huge schools of them. I mean, it's, it's massive, but it's only been probably around maybe six in the evening. Mm-hmm. When I've seen them do that. I haven't seen them do it in the morning, but I always caught them doing that around six to seven o'clock in the evening is when they're, they're all pulled up together somewhere, mm-hmm. and almost like grazing.
1: Yeah, my dad, he's hes worked at the Water Authority his whole life, and or since he was 18, and he works at one of the uh, water treatment plants, and they had a pond out there that had nothing in it. There's no fish, nothing, so we caught a bunch of bass, and we put them in there, and then he was able to somehow get some carp. It was in a river or something that he found at the Water Authority that they were trapped, and he was able to catch them, and they were probably two foot long. He caught them and put them in this pond, and probably put ten or fifteen of them in there. And now they're thirty plus pounds. Wow. And we'll be sitting there fishing, and you'll just see them just kind of just cruising together along the bank. And they are massive. They're they're probably in the 40 forty pound range now. And those are
0: those are just carp you guys are gonna leave them yep. protect? And-
1: yep. Just just let them do their thing. Um, but yeah, it's just it was cool to watch them go from you know two foot long to. Mm -hmm. to where they are now but yeah it's kind of like going back to what you said that i always see them together they're always cruising together so
0: that's one thing i always saw that's super odd to me i've never seen i've seen schools of fish but nothing that big doing it Mm -hmm. especially like the first time that i actually saw big carp in the in the neighborhood i lived in uh it's just a big canal in there so i think they just kept getting fed, fed in through the cape fear and um yeah, man, I, I've never, I've never seen a fish so big up close like that. That I was like, if I catch this on a fly line, like I'm, I'm probably gonna fight for my life right now, mm-hmm. I'm trying to fight this thing. And at the time, I think I had like a, I don't know, maybe like a five weight rod. So I knew that it was gonna snap that line. Oh yeah. Bought special line and special flies, and I've upgraded my rod to like a nine weight just to handle that, handle that fish. That, and i still never caught one i mean it was it was always a challenge It was definitely probably more challenging of, of my fishing experience is trying to get one of those things
1: mm-hmm. so, like. yeah um well when you get into like alabama like Gunnersville, mm-hmm. which is the same river system as is chickamauga um I, I don't know what it is i guess it's just because the river system's so much bigger than like west point mm-hmm. you know west point you shoot a 30 pound grass carp that's great i mean that's that's a big fish but you know my dad's done tournaments at gunnersville and and chickamauga and they he was telling me one time that they had shot a 55 pound carp grass carp wow. and they're like we just won this thing yeah. and they came in fifth place <laughs> so yeah so uh, i don't know what it is and and we went to chickamauga it's kind of later in the season um just just to go up there see what it was all about because we'd heard a bunch of stories about just giant fish being up there and being out there for an hour you can just tell the complete difference in the size of fish. And we're gonna to try to go back around spawn, which spawn is, is stupid. I mean, especially at West Point, we shot, we went, I think it was four or five years ago. Um, it was me, my dad, and one of his friends, and we shot 127.
0: Wow. And it was just spawning. What's the season look like for, for bow fishing or just for the carp and the spawn? And Could you, could you like elaborate into that a little bit? Well,
1: the bow fishing, it's really when it gets hot, that's when the fish will get up in the grass. Um, when they're spawning, really, is when they get up in the grass. Um, they'll kind of get on the mud flats. There's guys that are fishing right now. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of an all-year thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, this time of year, you shoot 20 fish, that's a great night. Right. You know, you go in April, um, May, right. you, you know, 100 is, is a great night. What's, the, what's like, prime
0: time?
1: Uh, I would say probably when it starts warming up in March or April all the way when it starts getting really hot that's when the numbers kind of drop just they don't I I don't know what it is but I guess when it gets hotter they go a little deeper but like you'll I usually go when it's late summer I'll go at night I don't really fool with with daytime because number one it's miserable but (laughs) but um yeah I mean we I fished which i this is from my dad because i used to always go with him so i kind of and i deer hunt so once deer season starts i just kind of park the boat so i don't usually start back until march or april um and then you got the spawn that's somewhere in april and it all depends on the weather um and the moon all kinds of other crap but you just kind of have to time it out but i know guys that are fishing right now that that uh you know they'll shoot 20 and I mean Lake Jackson I mean it's there's guys that bow fish there really? and there's really big fish in there yeah. but you'll shoot I mean they got 30 plus pound carp in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: but there's just not it's just a smaller lake so you're not going to shoot as many yeah, when I started uh,
0: started out fishing um, I went to I went to Lake Jackson with uh with Josh Sexton and um and I didn't catch anything but a sunburn. it was oh yeah I, I I tried to catch some bass but they just, they weren't biting there. I don't know what it was that was, I don't know if we just went out too hot in the daytime. It was, it was dead of summer, so I don't know if it's too hot in the dead, uh, daytime. Um, fairly new to trying to also regularly fish consistently, like my first season, doing it pretty hard. Uh, I had some good luck in North Carolina. I caught a lot of, lot of bass in North Carolina, but then I came down to Georgia and I just didn't have the same luck anymore. I don't know if it was water temperature I don't know what was going on and i want to actually go out to alabama and fish because i know they got red-eye bass out there and that's a that's a species of bass that i want to go for um i know me and dylan states went up the um Flint river on the top side and uh we caught um shoal bass mm-hmm. and there was some gar out there too and stuff but i don't know about i didn't see any carp but uh, definitely some definitely some shoal bass out there, and those those are some. That was a fighting fish, too. That was probably a lot of fun, dude. He actually caught a big one. I think he should have been in, Yeah, <laughs> in Georgia Outdoor <laughs> <laughs> That thing was huge.
1: Yeah, it ate it. I've I got into bass fishing just recently, because I like trying different stuff, and my dad is so just so devoted to hunting, mm-hmm. and I think he got a little burnout on on bass fishing because he used to do bass tournaments all the time mm-hmm. with his dad when he was alive and um so he just got kind of really burnt out on it so he bow fishes you know during bow fishing and then when deer season starts that's his yeah that's what he's that's what he always you know he would give up bow fishing before he give up deer hunting right. he just loves deer hunting and um but i got into bass fishing and i've been to jackson lake jackson six or seven times mm-hmm. never caught anything but i've heard that it's you got nowhere to go i know there's a lot of boat traffic i heard a lot of the big fish are deep and i just i don't have the equipment for all yeah. that so i not have any deep lures. i
0: mean I fly fishing with poppers so i mean i'm all top water fishing a lot so right to uh, succeed in the deep water end um, i need to i mean at first when i first started bass fishing yeah i was using regular lures, regular rod and reel, and then i was catching bass like that too just to me it just wasn't the challenge. Mm-hmm. I just didn't find the challenge in there. I, I'm saying that from lack of experience too, because I, I I probably find it more challenging if I was out on you know Lake Lanier, right? Where you get, um, for one or yeah, you get striper out there too. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I really want to catch that fish this summer because I'm I'm a lot the same way where, um, I'm trying to learn now is how to prioritize my hunting season by species and when I want to go after those things. Because that was a mistake I made early on for. Early season uh, deer hunting, I was going out and it was way too hot, knowing good and well that I probably wasn't going to see shit, which I didn't, um, majority of the time. Sometimes I saw dough and then it, then it hit that one cool morning and they were here everywhere. So I think that's another thing too, is like prioritizing, saying, hey, like I don't need to go out the beginning of the month. You know, I can, I can slowly, you know, trickle my way into the season and, and get in there, um, and the same thing for fishing is that I wish, because when I first started, man, I was going consistently, like every day, all day. I'd be out there all day fishing, and uh, come to learn towards the end of the season, I was like, man, I really wish I'd just gone out during peak times and didn't even waste my time going out there dead of heat, knowing that I wasn't going to catch shit. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, that's definitely something that. That i want to cover later on you know in, in other podcasts too it's just the, the prioritization like you're talking about like hey, fishing season's this and then once deer hits that's all i'm worried about is focusing on on that deer mm-hmm. and you know bleeding into that um let's go ahead and talk about talk about that deer you did kill this season uh that thing was that that was a beautiful bug awesome harvest you know congratulations on that i mean super jelly man <laughs> I, really, like, that, I, I, I tell care i'm like if i killed anything that you killed like that or uh one of the other local hunters in the area um he killed a humongous deer mm-hmm. and they, they put him on on g-o-n and i was like man, i'd cry
1: yeah it was it was really really fast um i have a buddy that i hunt with um in hampton and we got 60 acres that no, we we got permission to hunt on, and they kind of let us do our thing. They got cows. As long as we don't shoot their cows, <laughs> we can we can kind of do whatever we bow want. Specifically. Bow hunting only. Yeah. Yep. And that's that's all I've really done. I've killed deer with guns, but I don't know if it's just the challenge thing. Um, I just I love killing a deer with a bow. There's no, I've never experienced anything like like this year when I killed the buck. Just that feeling. Right. It's just such a big accomplishment. And I've had deer come in, you know, grunt at them, you know, they get downwind from me, you know, 70, 80 yards. I can't, you know, I'm not comfortable with that shot. And they run off or they just kind of walk the other way. But so I was hunting on the edge of a field. It was November 8th and he came in. We were actually going to get out. We said, let's go, let's get out at nine o'clock, let's go to Waffle House. So, <laughs> so, cause it was, it was kind of cold. It was the rut. But we were like, let's just get out at nine o'clock. Go eat Waffle House. Go hang out of the house. Go in the afternoon. Hadn't really been getting much on camera this year. The deer have been weird. Um, okay. Yeah, they they were on camera all year um, up until the rut, and they just disappeared. They were just acting weird this year. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I think twenty twenty also affected them. Oh yeah, because I don't know what was going on out there. It was the same. It was the same shit where they just weren't active like they were. I mean, I talked to Josh who, who regularly hunts his land. And he's like, dude, he's like, I don't know what is going on out there. He's like, there's usually deer all over the place and there isn't this year.
1: On camera cons- or consistently up until the rut we had three bucks. Um, one of them we coined Hot Rod. He's a 14 pointer and has got kickers. And Yeah, he's a giant. And then we got another one we named Helix. He's got this drop time that Looks like a split. It's like a like a split main beam, but it's weird because it grows down. It actually comes off his brow tine and grows down and out. But he's an eight pointer. He's probably just from pictures. He's probably about 140 inches. And then we got we got a 12 pointer. That's he's he's got 11 points and he's got one kicker coming off his. I think this his G2. I just go ahead, for the
0: listeners, Sorry, just go ahead and explain like the, where that G2 is. And...
1: So you so you got your brow tine and then you got your your main beam that comes up and then you got your g1 which is the next point your g2 which is the next point and then you got your g3 and so on just depends on how many they have but right it's i think it's on his g2 um it comes up and then just right at the top it just kicks off um but this buck so i'm sitting on the edge of the field and the wind one because i this year i've really tried to pay attention to the wind I used to not ever pay attention to the wind. I'd just hunt wherever. I just felt like I wanted to hunt. And I'd get busted or whatever. Wouldn't Oh, oh yeah. Wouldn't see nothing because, you know, deer are smart. Yeah. They know you're there. I'm sitting in the stand, and the wind, when I hunted this spot, was great. It was running right down the woods line, wasn't crossing into the field. And then about 30 minutes before he came out, I'd the wind one more time, and the wind was blowing right in the middle of the field. And I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. So... I'm sitting there and I send my buddy a text at 905 that says I'm getting down. And so I text him that and then I put my phone in my pocket and I look up and this deer is jumping the fence. And I'm like, holy shit. So I pull my phone back out. I text him, hold up, don't come this way because he was going to walk up by me. I said, I got a buck that just came in and I'm looking at him. I'm trying to figure out which one he is because we only had like four bucks on camera, three good ones and one smaller one. And I knew right away... I've never seen this deer before, but I knew he was a shooter. And he starts walking down the edge of the, the woods line away from me. He was probably 70 yards away. And I'm watching him, and he goes over to a scrape and starts working a scrape that's right on the edge of, of the field. And so he walks into the woods line across from me, and I grunt at him. And he turns his head, comes back and starts walking to the middle of the field and he stops and he's looking around. And he's trying to figure out where that grunt came from. And so he's checking the wind, which I don't know how he didn't smell me because it's blowing right at him. So he turns back, walks back in the woods, I grunt at him and he turns his head and looks again, doesn't see nothing. He just flicks his tail and keeps walking. So I'm like, all right, I gotta switch something up. So I grunt at him and I hit him with a snort wheeze. And so he turned around quick and then he comes trotting out. And what's crazy is to me about the whole thing was he knew exactly where it came from. He walked right at me and he was a good 100 yards. He came right at me. And then he just got to about 20, 30 yards, turned broadside, and then I just laid it in him. But that from, it, it happened so quick. I mean, the experience, just thinking about it, it seemed like it took an hour, but I looked at my phone after I shot him and it was like, nine-twelve so i mean it was crazy but that's my biggest deer i've killed to up to this point i killed a decent eight-pointer nowadays i probably let him walk but i killed a decent one at the water authority um back in 2013 but yeah i mean that's how that played out and i actually didn't make that good of a shot because i rushed it Mm -hmm. and we ended up going to eat we went to Waffle House, <laughs> and we waited till about 2 o'clock. I shot him about 9, 10, somewhere around there. Waited till 2 because I knew I didn't make that great of a shot. We go back and start tracking and We got a little bit of blood, and then we get up to their bedding area. Nice. And I was kind of hesitant on going in there because I knew that they bed in there. And, yeah, you almost sneak up the place. Right. And so we walk in there, and I hear just a bunch of rustling. I look up, and there goes a buck just trotting off. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so we followed the blood trail. And sure enough, where I saw him kind of jump up and trot, there was blood right where he was laying. So we pulled out. Um, and then I went back the next day with Dylan. And we walked around for about an hour. And then we went to this creek that I, the direction he was running. Mm-hmm. Because deer for, you know, any of the new hunters, deer are always going to try to run to water. They're either gonna run and go lay in water and die if they can get to it, or they're gonna die running. So I just assumed that his blood had clotted up at this point and he was gonna run to the creek. So we looked all in the creek, didn't didn't seem um, it had rained during the night, so wasn't expecting to see any blood. So I'm sitting here thinking this deer's gone. What a
0: sleepless
1: night. Oh yeah, it was awful. So so i i tell dylan i'm like look i'm just gonna go back to where he was bedded down maybe there's blood or we can get enough blood to where we can get a dog out here and maybe go find him so i start walking from the creek to where he was bedded down and it was a good 200 yards and i'm just walking and i just happen to look and to my right about 10 yards from me he was laying i'm <laughs> in <mean>, complete luck because <laughs> if i don't went 20 yards to my left or 20 yards to my right i'd have never seen him so it probably wouldn't i probably wouldn't have found him probably would have had to wait on the birds or coyotes or something to find him so yeah i mean it it
0: was what a relief because i guarantee you know when i i shouldered the deer early on i shouldered the buck he was huge he was a big eight point out in the hunting land that we got and uh Man, I got down, I looked, I looked for five hours, I did like a little grid pattern, I don't, but I only went like a hundred yards out to, to see if maybe it went through there. I didn't, uh, I really did cross my mind and maybe go towards where that creek lies. He may be in there still, I don't know. Nobody's seen him and I haven't found my arrow. But uh, no, I, I totally understand the feeling of of this, this sickening in your stomach. I mean, you, you know, for anybody that's, that's killed a deer or missed a deer or shouldered or, you know, uh, had to go look for one the next day or look for one that day and you couldn't find it and you gotta wait especially do you, what, two days, right? Uh,
1: no, I actually, I found him the next day,
0: the next day. Yeah but, but, you know, like it's this disturbing feeling in your stomach like you did something wrong and you want to take it back so fast but you can't, you know, because it does happen so fast I mean, I thought mine when I think about it, it all plays in slow motion felt like it took like 30 minutes to happen mm-hmm. but in reality I mean it, it happened in a split second he was out of the woods he was there you know And my experience too was you know I grunted rattled some antlers and then I, I, did, a, I did a wheeze mm-hmm. and and what I thought were squirrels coming out of the woods it was it was this big boy came out of the wood line just hauling ass towards me mm-hmm trying to figure out what that was and then try to circle around me to, to go downwind of whatever that sound was and try to catch whatever that scent, And that's when I try to shoot them. But yeah, man, when, I totally understand that feeling, that that gut-wrenching feeling. I didn't get any sleep. I still don't get any sleep. About it. I dream about it sometimes and I have nightmares and I'm like, oh my God, like I had that deer, you know?
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it sucks for sure. Um, you know, I've heard, My dad's killed a lot of deer um, and I've heard some stories and he's, you learn a lot from hunting by screwing up. I mean, that's, that's the best way to learn. You know, he's, he's killed deer or shot deer that, that he thought were, were dead by the time he got out of the stand and he's jumped them up, you know, so he really lives by, you know, if you don't see it go down, just wait till the next day. And a lot of people can't do that. And it's hard for me, I mean, it's hard. And yeah, and he's, you know, there's a lot, I've seen charts and stuff out there. And, you know, if you kill in the liver, you wait this amount of time, you know, you double lung it, you know, you wait this long. I've just gotten, just being around him, if I don't see it go down, I'll just wait till the next day. Um, his, His little thing that he says, if, when in doubt, back out. And that saved him a lot of deer. But on the re- reverse side of that, he's lost a lot of deer really? because of that. Yes, diets um, just just, just jumping them up because they'll lay down and they'll try to get comfortable and their blood will start to clot up. And then when you jump them up, they'll run for miles. I know he shot a deer that he thought was was surely dead. Right. And he got out and started looking for it, jumped it up, went back home um, and came out the next day looking for it. And so he started tracking it and ended up running into the the blood trail ran to the lake the water authority wow and he's probably sitting at the bottom of the lake right now they i mean he they put a dog out there went circled around the lake everywhere he would have went yep and he just wow yep so he
0: probably pull that deer out right water authority you know. yeah <laughs>
1: yeah i mean he,
0: he he yeah
1: oh, he wanted to see it float and he wanted to get it out of there but yeah that would have been from what he said it would it would have been one of his biggest yeah, deer
0: and that's the that's one of the things that i don't think people um take into consideration even new hunters like myself i just didn't you know i didn't take into consideration and others don't when it comes to bow hunting in general uh you know you you kind of um you kind of sign a, a document you know, this document that you know this non existent document, you, you kinda sign it saying, Hey, I'm a little aware that I'm gonna fuck this up very yeah. bad <laughs> consistently before I get it right, because that's you know, that's the gamble you play when you're bow hunting. You, it is not as forgiving. No at all. And and I've come to learn that, you know, the hard way, you know. Yeah, you know, to be completely honest here, you know, I've missed two deer this season. I shoulder that one deer and then I missed a doe at 10 yards, a fat doe. I, I missed her at 10 yards thinking I was good, but I wasn't. I jumped a shot, you know, I didn't have, the bubble wasn't level, you know, all these, these little tiny factors that come into play. You know, I had really thick gloves on that I'd never practiced with, you know, all these things, you know, and maybe I'm making excuses or, you know, anybody can really relate to that too, you know, you got to train with the equipment that you're going to use, maybe yep. you learn a lot. And this season, that is something that I definitely took away from everything is I learned so much from this hunting season of what I want to do next season and how I want to prepare for the next one, you know, and how I'm going to train better on, on stuff. Cause to be honest, I didn't, I really didn't practice enough. I thought I was, I was overconfident. I was like, yeah, I could sling this, Like I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I was not very confident in my shots. I jumped a lot of shots, you know, and which is going to force me now, I'm actually gonna switch over to a uh what is it called? A tension uh trigger now just to practice uh my panic shot, so I'm not panicking anymore. So I'm mm-hmm. gonna definitely invest in a in a new trigger that's gonna allow me to practice that tension and, and not and not have that, that uh that panic trigger that I had because that's that's what happened twice to me. Mm-hmm. You know, to be blatantly honest, yeah. You know? So nobody needs to anyone listen to this, you don't need to feel bad about missing a shot or anything like that, right? Like it sucks, you're gonna lose sleep over it. Use it to your advantage. Um, I'm definitely using it in mind to where I'm training a little bit better on that. and you know, I'm trying to practice fixing the target panic, fixing, you know, where my anchor is going to be on my lip, and how now, I'm, for right now, until I switch over to another trigger, like, now I'm practicing putting the putting my thumb behind my head and pulling it back just to have it anchored better, where I can do a slow trigger squeeze versus pulling it all the way back and then kind of just shaking too much, you know?
1: Yep. Yep, and what I've learned with, with bow hunting especially is practice yeah i mean practice when it's you know the middle of of the summer Mm -hmm. get out there and shoot but yeah and you just you got to get out there and you got to learn your equipment you know like me when i'm hunting mostly i'm going to use a climber i just like how versatile they are i how you know i can go anywhere Mm -hmm. and you want to practice with your climber as well getting off the tree on the tree um You know because you want to be on the ground for the least amount of time as possible you want to have it to where you know you're up sitting ready to go I like to give myself two minutes from the time my bottom or by the time I put my stand on the tree till I'm sitting there ready to go release on bow ready two minutes right. and same thing getting down you know even if it's the middle of the night you know you want to you want to get off the ground and get out of there but it, it, bow hunting is just it's practice, and you're gonna fuck up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how long you've been hunting. My dad, they fucked up this year. He had a deer, a buck, a mature buck, about seven, he thinks it was about seven years old, mm-hmm. about 20 yards broadside. And, you know, he grabbed his bow. It was right at daylight. Um, you know, he could barely, he could just see the outline of the deer, um, knew which deer it was, and he grabbed his bow and he pulled back and he shot, and he was like, what was that? He heard a loud pop. I was like, what was that? And so in his mind, he thinks he hit the deer, but he don't know what happened. So sun starts coming up a little bit more and he's looking at his bow. And then he realizes his quiver's full. He never put an arrow on his bow. So he dry fired it, which he has one of the, he has the new Matthews uh, triax and so you can dry fire those and it really? doesn't yeah it doesn't mess up the bow yeah fuck up the can no it's not yeah which is not something you just want to go out in the, the barn and yeah, just dry, dry fire yeah. yeah but
0: i hope i get sued over this or something <laughs> um, that matthews makes like a weird squeaking noise or something or the old matthews did something like that when you pulled back the cans made a weird weird creaking noise out of the can or something like that if he had any experience
1: i've never heard him say anything about that and he he's really really particular um you know when he sits in a stand he likes to have cover and he likes to be as quiet as possible he likes to you know he, he doesn't tries not to make any noise and that's something that you know if if that was happening to him he would either figure out what the problem is and get it fixed or if it's the bow he'd get another one um, he shot a Hoyt Matrix, which is what I shoot now. Um, he loved that bow, but he just wanted something a little bit more modern, and that's when he got the Matthews. And it, it took him a while to get used to it. Right. But he loves it now, um, but I've never heard him say anything about it squeaking or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, he's he's very particular and I learned so much from him by just talking to him. I right. mean, he's got so much knowledge because he's been doing it for so long right. and kind of almost taken for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to pick that brain. Oh yeah, because he's, he's not one that'll just come to you and just start talking about hunting. You got to ask him questions and that just kind of rolls the ball. And I've learned a lot from him this year because I've been hunting at this property for about five years and wasn't getting very many good bucks out there and by the time you know early December rolls around I'd just be burnt out right because I wouldn't move around I sit in the same spot you know wouldn't see nothing or see the same deer and just get so burnt out on it and then I started trying different stuff built food plots this year and and just tried to get the deer in there and then all of a sudden all these bucks start showing up and you know he's giving me advice on where to hunt why to hunt here because of the wind or you know time of day stuff like that food source and um just learned a lot from him just really this year and i mean if you know anybody that hunts and and they've been doing it for a long time you know they're they got a lot of knowledge and and that's that's half of it right. the other half is is getting out there and doing it no, so
0: definitely, man. yeah no um that's that's my big thing you know with, with all this you know and that's that's the whole startup of this company and, and the podcast is to learn from experienced hunters you know the local guys that got got the experience been out there that can teach you know the same local dudes that want to get out there and try it mm-hmm. that's the big thing you know it's showing them you know the equipment that they can use and and all that you know when it what bows do you recommend for um for bow fishing they like what's what's that that whole setup needs to look like and, and stuff like that i know you, you kind of didn't get to cover that
1: portion well so bow fishing like the very first bow i had that i used was um mold my very first browning compound bow we just cranked it way way down because i mean you're going to be pulling it back you know sometimes 200 times a night if it's a good night i mean you're going to miss more times than you hit um but So that's what I started with, and now bow fishing has taken off so much that you know companies are coming out with bows that specifically for bow fishing. Like if you want top of the line, you know Onada is probably, in my opinion, top of the line. They're super light, or you can get Cajun. That's kind of middle of the road. To me, that's kind of like Bear. You know, for you know they're cheaper, but they're great. Um, I shoot an RPM, which is. Kind of a knockoff to Onada Onada's a little expensive. I mean, just, just for the bow, their they're Ospreys, they're $900. Nothing, uh-huh. Yeah, nothing on them. Yeah, sure. So, um, my Cajun bow, fully set up. That comes with the reel. Everything was about $599. Okay. So, you don't have to have the biggest and baddest bow. Um,
0: I, you can get adapters, right? Like, you can throw it, like, on a bear bow.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You just got to crank it down. Um, I... I think I have mine at about 30 pounds, but I have a buddy that his he doesn't care to hunt, doesn't care to fish, and it, it was kind of funny how I got him out there. Um, I was just like, hey, you know, let's go bow fishing. And he's like, man, I ain't into all that. And he's like, I don't hunt, and I don't fish. I don't, I don't care. And I'm like, well, said, I'll, I'll just buy the beer, we'll go fishing. <laughs> so He was like, all right, cool, so we'll go. So he went.
0: Person,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> he went, and the very first time he went was last season, and he fell in love with it. I mean, immediately. Um, we by the next time we went, which was a couple of weeks later, he'd already bought a bow. He bought a Cajun, and and now he's spending all kinds of money on on bow fishing bows and all kinds of stuff.
0: But I mean, once you get the bow, well, you're, you're you're pretty much set, and that's and that's the man. That's the that's the big driving point in again this podcast, this company, this community is. Getting guys out there, mm-hmm. people that are brand new to it, getting them out. I mean, you want to you, you want to go and fish, hunt, you know, whatever it is. You know, ask your buddy, ask somebody that you know. You, I guarantee you, here in Georgia, at least in this local community, somebody hunts consistently. Yep. ask them, ask to go out with them, ask to go shadow them. You know, if you are not comfortable with killing an animal yet, just go with them. See what the experience is like. See if you like the camaraderie that comes with deer camp or or fishing camp or going out to bow fishing camp. And you know, going out there on a boat and experiencing it or getting in the stand and, and seeing how it's done, you, know, you may catch the bug and you're like, oh, I really like this. And that's, that is what needs to happen for the community, honestly. And that's kind of like my mission statement to say, you know, what I want to do with all this is bring new people in, have them experience it because that's what's gonna grow the, the community. And when you grow the community, you're gonna grow the conservation efforts that come into yep. it. Because that's another big part of the entire community uh i I would i would venture to say that the the big part of the hunting community is probably like uh put a percentage on it maybe like 90 percent of what goes into the hunting community is the conservation effort and that's the money that you spend on hunting equipment the tags uh the licenses the fees all those things pour into that so you know people's you know they're so against hunting sometimes but it's like you do know that the hunters is what keeps the animals out there Yep. if it wasn't for the hunting community there wouldn't be deer out there there wouldn't be a lot of these animals because we're not doing market hunting right you know so we're not going after tracking and killing tons of animals you know where there's a reason there's seasons there's a reason there's laws that cover things there's a reason you buy tags and you buy licenses and you go out during certain times it's for that yep. you know to, to protect that animal you know because as much as i do enjoy going out hunting you know The second thing that I love about doing is watching nature do its thing. Uh You're sitting up in that stand for hours. You get to see nature in its own in its own habit, in its own environment. You know, you know, no pun intended, but that's that's what you see them in. You 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 see nature doing its thing. You see deer doing its natural thing. And that, you know, that also circles back around to to the learning aspect of all of it. Yep. Yeah, you may not kill anything, but while you're sitting in that stand, you're kind of circling back on the whole education portion of saying hey like i know how a deer moves now i know mm-hmm. when it's alert i know when a deer is being extremely skittish for no reason you know i've seen deer do things this season that you know i didn't think that deer did yep. you know i was like damn like that's what they do yep. you know and how they smell you know and all these factors come into play and that's that's more important i think that's all part of the, the whole learning experience and all of it you know it, it, that's why it's called hunting yep. you know that's why it's called honey. Yeah, that's why it's not called killing. You know, that's yep.
1: why we go out there and do that. Yep. Just kind of going back, you know, deer—they'll tell you so much in their body movement, and I've I've learned so much these last few years. You know, just by the way they move. Um, you know, they'll come in downwind on purpose. I mean, they know, and I, I don't care what comes out, but you'll never be able to beat a deer's nose. You can put on as much scent away or take as many showers as you want. You cannot get rid of your human scent, and you'll never be able to outsmart a deer. I've learned. I've actually learned that you know, buying one of those little beehive smokers and putting putting some some uh, wood in it and just kind of lighting it and smoking your clothes kind of gives off that natural campfire smell, and they're a little bit more used to that around here. But um, yeah, and and it's worked really well um, for me. I know it's some people work some some it doesn't but it's kind of like everything but you know i've learned by deer flicking its tail that means that you know it's it's calm um you know when that tail goes up it's you know they know something's not right yep and and watching you know even like a, a mama doe with with a yearling or whatever or a baby you know just how alert they are and those those are the hardest deer to kill are like our grand grand grandmama those those are the hardest ones to kill yeah um you know brown. yep <laughs> and you know mature bucks they're they're really really smart as well um you know getting into like the six seven year old deer you know there's a reason why they're still alive
0: Yeah, exactly yeah i was about to say uh, there's a reason there's a reason to that big. Yeah. stupid no don't no, play that wind i've had um i was actually trying to again you know just experimenting uh all season doing stuff i uh, did some ground hunting Mm-hmm that was awesome and, uh,
1: that's tough
0: five yards from the doe and then she circled out did a couple more doe calls and she purposely went completely around me i don't know how far she went out but popped up right behind me mm-hmm. literally right behind me uh, where i saw her move the first time she was in front of me next thing i know she's behind me five yards just staring at me she didn't know what i was um I was pretty concealed, but you know, I made a single movement and she was gone, mm-hmm. but she stared at me for hours, but she did that purposely. She purposely went down the wind to catch my scent, to know that I was a human. She needed to, to book her out of there. And I was like, man, I was like, that is, that is insane. But I was close to I, I mean, I hadn't been that close to a deer like that, you know, from the ground, ready to, ready to draw back. But I just wanted to experience, see if I could do it. And, and it's totally doable. I think that's a, something everybody should try too. They haven't, you know, that, that ground hunting, uh the last podcast me and josh talked about how the hunting public does that a lot those mm-hmm. guys how they go out and they and they hunt from the ground and they kill a lot of big bucks that way you know not not afraid to get get in their face like that sneak up on them in a bed and i'm like man I'm like that would be the ultimate goal oh yeah 100
1: yeah that's that's you're really outsmarting the deer doing that i mean that's that's tough i mean because you got to be quiet wind's got to be perfect. And you know, you got to move in sequence to where they're looking, and yeah, that's and that's I'm hard. I'm really
0: wondering too about this whole play the wind phrase thing. It, it's, it's exactly as it implies, which is if that wind is blowing towards the deer's direction, where you know that your, your stand is in the direction of whatever wind is blowing, that deer is going to catch your set. When you play that wind, you want to be offset from it, you want to check the wind prior to the morning. Uh, throughout the day. Sometimes it shifts, you can get crosswinds, you can get a lot of different winds blowing through, swirling. Um, I know that I, I carry a wind checker with me and it's just some powder. Mm-hmm. Um, I throw that up to make sure the wind is, is blowing away from me in the direction that I know deer are coming from. And it's all about, you know, and you learn that throughout the season. You kind of learn like, hey, you know, next season I'm probably going to place my stand over here. Uh, I use a uh, a regular, like, stand on wood stand or whatever I uh, lock on. Uh, but next season, um I'm looking at getting into a saddle and, and getting into saddle hunting. I think it's just a little bit more versatile. One of those, or maybe one of those lone wolf stands, or you can just you can just move out to somewhere else. If you don't like the tree you're at. You can position yourself somewhere else. That fallen leaf, you know, give a lot of the of to butter out of there. And uh, I, I I think that's definitely something that people should look into. Is, is again going back to that equipment thing. It's just get it, practice, you know, practice from the stand. That's something I didn't do this year. Standing from the stand and shooting a target. But I bought me a 3D target. I mean, I've always had a box target, but uh, I'm gonna start using those and start just off-season practicing doing that as well,
1: you know? Yep, and and even going to like, you know, when it's not deer season, and like you, you get a standard to hone your, you know, just getting in and out of the stand and stuff like that. What I try to do is, you know, I'll go out into the backyard, I'll climb a tree, but I'll be in, you know, my camouflage. I'll do everything that I do before you know i start hunting so you know i'll take my backpack with me you know my my climber and i'll climb a tree and then i'll put everything on and try to get quicker at it and and try to figure out what's the the most quiet and what's the quickest way of getting the stand separated from itself on the tree and then to where you know how high i want to go and you know i've learned so much with. You know, you don't have to get 30, 40 feet up in the tree. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it all depends on where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of going back to the wind, you know, if, you know, like for me, I got um, permission to hunt. And one thing I really focused on this year was figuring out where the deer were. When they're not moving, where are they? Where? Why are they coming here? Why are they going there? And learning their pattern to the best I can, which you'll never be able to figure it out. But, you know, that's how I positioned where I was going to hunt um, based off of which way the wind was going. Right. So, you know, there was times that I really, really wanted to hunt, you know, the field or down in this bottom. in one of those, you know, spot I have down there, because I was getting pictures of a buck, pretty consistent, but the wind went right. So I don't want to have the possibility of him catching wind of me and bolting and, and possibly never coming back. So um,
0: We're coming up on an hour now. We've got a cool hour, hour-long podcast episode, two. so I should make some people happy. Um, it's fewer stops, too, I guess. Um, where can people find you at? And uh, start following you. And then, um, where's your uh, what are your goals for your business uh, this coming year?
1: Well, you can find me on Instagram, um, it's Mixed Barrel Bow Fishing, or on Facebook, um, Gregory Blake Bell. Um, this year, we're just we're trying to get into tournaments. Um, you know, we're going to come out with some some t-shirts and some hats that we'll we'll sell. Um, you know, we're not going to really try to get it, you know, we're, we're going to let it go as, as, as far as it'll go, you know. Um, but we're not trying to get huge, you know, I still got to work, stuff like that. You know, if it was something that we could get into and it'd be a full-time job, that'd be great. But we're going to do bow fishing tournaments this year um, and just travel. We're going we're gonna to go to, I know we're going to try to go to Kentucky. Um, we're going to go to Alabama at Lake Gunnersville. Um, we're going to go back to Chickamauga, try to time that out around the spawn. And then we're actually going to Gunnersville in April on a guided trip, just to see what it's like out there, and then um, just travel. I know we've talked about going up to Wisconsin; it's huge there, um, and just see what the difference is here and, and and around you know the U.S. Really.
0: Yeah. Well. All right, man. So you guys uh, again, you can find. Uh, you can find Blake on uh, Mixed Barrel Boat Fishing at Instagram, and give him a follow. Um, you guys go ahead and give us a su- subscribe, and a five-star review, whatever you want to do on the uh, on the Spotify. You can follow uh, Beers, Bros, and Bows at, uh, on Instagram, at Beers, Bros, and Bows. You can also find us on Facebook, at Beers, Bros, and Bows. And we also got our website, Beers, Bros, and Bows.com. Uh, you get some hats. We got some stickers on there right now. Uh, we we're, we're doing some pre-orders. Uh, I'm hoping to get some more stuff in stock pretty soon, and then you guys start ordering away on that. Um, but uh thanks for everybody listening and um, taking the time to uh, hear the podcast. And we are out.